It's 19th of May, 2015. It's the Soybean Aphid Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Matt. What are we going to talk about today? We should talk about how to hook up two microphones no. so that our faces aren't so close to each other. <laughs> this is kind of a low-budget operation. It's a little awkward. <laughs> I mean, I like you, but I don't like you like you. Ditto. <laughs> Hey, uh, <laughs> bringing it back around to crop production. So I'm Matt O'Neill, and that's Aaron Hodgson, and we're going to talk about insect-related pests of soybean. But before we do, Aaron's going to start us off with a planting progress. You just got off the conference call? Yeah, I meet with the crops team every Monday now for the rest of the summer. And since we had our first podcast... Soybean planting is highly variable. Some people didn't really see any progress at all because of the rains that they had. Other people, um, they would guess that their area is 50 to 75 percent planted. So maybe statewide average 30, 40 percent, but still a lot of beans left to plant. Wow. Yeah. So all of the corn is in. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, except for like a field here or there, but pretty much 99 percent plus. So. the other thing to kind of think about, I guess, is that even though stuff in that variable range for soybeans is planted, it's been cold. Heck, how cold last night. Ooh. I think oh. there might be some parts of northern Iowa that actually had frost last night. I'm still waiting to hear. Whoa. But crazy. Yeah. Um, so the reason that's important is that uh, stuff may be in the ground, but it's not developing. So uh, I guess when I kind of think about this time of year, I'm thinking about seasonal pests, things that are just emerging, not only the soybean crop, but the insects that overwinter as adults and it's bean leaf beetle. Do you do like a prediction for bean leaf beetle? What was yeah, your prediction I, for this I year? predict the overwintering mortality of bean leaf beetle adults every year. And overall, it was a pretty mild winter and uh, most of the state had anywhere between 50 to 70 percent mortality just from the temperatures but that means that there's still a lot of adults that uh, were able to successfully survive and I have heard of people you know those first beans that poke out um, they're really attractive to bean leaf beetle adults and so there has because they're hungry yeah they're so hungry just like me right now (laughs) and so they're they're uh, really attracted to those cotyledons that are coming out of the ground and you could get some feeding on those or even the the true first leaves that come out so i guess the take-home message might be that um, there's a population out there that's emerging they're hungry they're hangry (laughs) hungry and angry uh, and they're looking for something to eat, and soybeans are very attractive. But beans that have been treated with a neonicotinoid seed treatment are protected. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Um, but given that commodity prices have come down some, maybe some farmers are backing off of the use of that input. Maybe, maybe not. Um, so just something to think about, I guess, is that um, if you are planting and not everything is seed treated, Maybe think about the earliest stuff going in being the treated, not the untreated, if that makes sense. That does. Um, it also brings up another point with uh, cool temperatures, uh, all the moisture we've been getting. I, it makes me think about slugs. Slugs. And so. Hey, wait those, a minute. Wait a what? minute. What? It's the Ron, Harman, Ron Hammond section of today's podcast. <laughs> we always have to bring up the S word like every spring. So especially those fields that have high residue like no-till or low-till 
uh, cool wet temps uh, you have that moisture that's just kind of trapped in there temp is temperature for those of us yeah. who are in the biz that's just our little yeah. lingo yeah um, you can get some slug feeding so as as same thing when those beans pop up you can get some feeding um, on the leaves and right around the base of the soil and those are not protected those beans are not protected from slug feeding by neonicotinoids because as John Tucker pointed out to us from Penn State, slugs aren't insects. That <laughs> was a review that came back on a grant of his that, uh, well, you know, it's neonics should kill the slugs, right? No, they're not insects. Not insects. And Ron Hammond is the former, uh, now retired, but uh, former field crop entomologist out of Ohio State. And he seemed to always come to meetings with a story of slugs or uh, millipedes, uh, something kind of crazy doing damage to these kind of fields. And anyway, just a, a, uh, given that we're having unusual weather, it's probably not unusual that we would see unusual yep. paths right. cause unusual damage to mm-hmm. beans. What um, else? Um, maybe not strictly related to soybean but i've been hearing about a lot of cutting going on in corn for black cutworm larvae and so the their presence is very patchy sporadic around the state so we're just recommending everybody go out there make sure the stands for corn or soybean are what you're hoping for and if you have feeding or cutting you may have to have a stand assessment and uh, replants some cases yeah and cutworm will attack soybeans as well right so uh Partly they don't because beans follow corn, but in what the five percent or whatever that got planted and maybe up, they could be at risk as well. Right. And those are not protected by neonics. Is that? Um, you know that part. I, I'm not as confident to say yes or no. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could say, but um, you might get some suppression, but I'm not sure you'd be able to hold back a large, yeah, like a late instar. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, a couple of years ago, we, oh, geez, a couple of years ago, like five years ago, we had a, a real localized outbreak of a cutworm um, problem in a soybean field, and it was like maybe an acre embedded in a, a farm with corn and soybeans, and they somehow found the one patch that was not treated, <laughs> and, and they just laid waste to this mm-hmm. poor graduate student's <laughs> project. Um, so they, uh, yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Something to look out for. Yeah. What else? What else do we want to talk about? Anything else? Um, we have an upcoming event that's put together by the Pollinator Working Group here at Iowa State. Actually, you, you coordinate, coordinate that with uh, Amy Toth, who's an entomologist. And that's going to be exciting. I think so. hope so. Pollinator Fest at the Ryman Gardens, uh, just on the south side of campus here. Um, 20th of June at Ryman Gardens. Uh, you can go to Ryman Gardens' website and find details. There's two events that need registration, how to pot a pollinator-friendly garden in a little pot, and then um, and that's being hosted by the Ryman Garden staff. And then I'm going to do a two-hour workshop on how to um, provide a, a nest for solitary bees. These are bees that need... Uh, stems and you can provide artificial stems for them to nest in in your garden but outside of that uh, a bunch of activities are planned Uh, the what's the Iowa no the National Honeybee Queen 
who is from Iowa, who's a student of Iowa State, is going to be there to talk about all things honeybees. It's like a feather in her hat to get her. She's a very busy lady. Yeah. And there'll be observation hives. There'll be... Um, like kid crafts? Yeah, crafts. The insect zoo will be there, Ooh. and they do crafty kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what else? We can put the website in with the details on... on on the it's June twentieth yeah. at Ryman Gardens, and on the website you can actually get a two dollar off admission uh, for through the, Groupon. Groupon. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we're running out of time, but just one more thing uh, about that is um, oh, that's the music. Look for the details in the text. With yeah. the, we'll see you next week. Okay. See okay, you bye. guys. Bye.